grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Our scripture lesson for this second midweek Advent service is found recorded in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, beginning at the 39th verse. In those days, Mary got up and hurried to the hill country, to a town of Judah. She entered the home of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Just as Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She called out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? In fact, just now, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed, because the promises spoken to her from the Lord will be fulfilled. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the book of Ruth, chapter 1. We read verses 16 and 17. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to abandon you or turn back from following you, because wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you make your home, I will make my home. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely and double it, if anything but death separates me from you. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ and worshipers of the Christ child, it is a practice of mine for premarriage counseling and I always have three classes, but the first class always deals with the planning of the wedding service. And I ask the couple to actually pick a text for me to preach on for their wedding. But I also tell them that the, that the text that you pick, and I'll give them a list to pick from if they want, or they can pick any passage, but consider the passage you choose to actually be the theme of your service. Let it show on the invitations. Let it show on, the, on perhaps the wedding cake. Let it show on the thank you letters you send out. Consider having a theme to your wedding. You don't have to, but consider it. And consider a Bible passage. Of course, the most popular one is 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, and, and the greatest of these is love, that passage. But I would say probably the passage that I just read to you is probably right up there with number two. And in the light of a man and woman joining together as husband and wife with an unconditional commitment to live together for life, hear these words once again. Do not urge me to abandon you, and do not turn back from following you. Because wherever you go, I will go, and, whatever, and wherever you make your home, I will make my home. 
Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely and double it, if anything but death separates me from you. Again, what a beautiful vow, especially to have for a wedding. But these words weren't originally between a man and woman getting married. The words were actually originally between a daughter-in-law speaking to her mother-in-law. And what is really interesting is the two weren't even of the same culture. They didn't even come from the same na nation. Naomi was from Bethlehem, and, and she lived in the southern kingdom of Judah. Ruth was from Moab, and if you know anything about Moab, Moab comes from the descendants of Lot, who was the nephew of Abraham. So in a nutshell, the two nations, you could say, were cousins, but they definitely were not kissing cousins. They could not stand each other. They were enemies. What has Naomi in Moab is about 10 years before these words, the whole southern kingdom was suffering from a severe famine. Elimelech, her, her uh, husband, decided to pick up the family. They had two sons, Malon and Kilion, and to pick up that family and go over to an area that wasn't suffering from severe drought. They ended up in Moab. And as I said, they lived there 10 years. In fact, the two boys actually got married. One was married to Ruth, and the other one was married to Orpah. Well, during the 10 years, Elimelech had died, leaving Naomi a widow. And a short time after that, her two sons had died, leaving her two daughter-in-laws, now widows. Well, when she heard that the drought was over and that things were better in Bethlehem, she decided to go back home. There was nothing that was keeping her here since really her husband and sons had passed away. Her two daughter-in-laws were very close to Naomi, and they followed her for quite a while. And then Naomi said, go back to your mother and father. Go back to your gods. Go back to your nation. Why follow me? I can't have any more sons, and are you going to wait for them to get older? Just go back. They both were crying. Orpah didn't go back. But Ruth, she said, do not urge me to abandon you, and do not turn back, or to turn back from following you. Because wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you make your home, I will make my home. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely and double it, if anything but death separates me from you. How would we describe these words? Clearly, they're evidence of steadfast love. And especially love that comes from the Lord God. You see, Ruth wasn't following the gods of, of Moab. 
she, they weren't, she wasn't following those false gods. Probably the gods that she heard about when she was being raised. The gods that her family are still holding to. No, she was believing in the Almighty God and even calls him Lord. The very name that God gave Moses at the burning bush, this is the great I am. The word Lord is actually translated he is. He is real. He is eternal. He is the Savior God. And she believed in this one true God, clearly being taught by Naomi and her family. And now out of love for the Lord God, she goes and shows love to her mother-in-law. Yes, a steadfast love. Very committed. And along with it, very much an unselfish humility. You notice there was no conditions in what she said. Naomi, if you do this, I will do that. There was none of that. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Wherever your home be, that will be my home. When you die, there I will be buried. Ruth wasn't thinking of herself. She was thinking about the welfare of her own mother-in-law, whom clearly she did love dearly. And above all, what a commitment. This is a total, unconditional commitment. A commitment where there's no strings attached. In fact, she even gives the vow, may the Lord deal with me be ever so severely and even double it. By the way, that phrase, she's not the only one who has ever said it. It's, it comes up several times in the Old Testament, even by kings. This, this was the strongest way in order to establish an oath. May God punish me and add even more to it, double it if death separates you from me. She wasn't going to be a quitter. She wasn't going to use excuses. Did she really know what she was saying and committing to? I have no doubt. Because once again, it clearly flowed from the love of her God. The Holy Spirit was clearly working in this woman's heart. To make such a statement. You've heard me say that during Christmas time, as we celebrate Christmas, we do so really summarizing the law and the gospel. In other words, that word that does a perfect job, which is the very message that Jesus spoke, is repent. And I've always, and I've been saying in my last couple sermons that when you celebrate Christmas with a repentant heart, it really means two parts. Certainly that sorrow over sin, there you have the law which shows us our sin, but also uh, out of love for the gospel, which means with a believing heart that your Savior has paid for your sins and paid for them in full. But there really is a third part. 
along with sorrow over sin and trusting in the forgiveness of sins that is yours by the blood of your Savior who came into the world as that babe of Bethlehem and hung on that cross, suffering even hell in our behalf, the very punishment we deserve. Is now is what motivates us and empowers us to make right the wrongs we've committed, if possible. And to do so with a steadfast heart that out of love for the Lord loves one another. To do so with selfless humility that doesn't focus on oneself and what's in it for me. Because selfishness, no matter what form it takes, is sinful. And then to come with that total commitment that does not quit, but empowered out of love for the Lord, loves another, whether they deserve it or not. This is what John the Baptist called the fruits of repentance. And he called for fruits of repentance because one who has sorrow over sin and trusts in the forgiveness of Christ lives for Jesus Christ. And once again, in the way we treat one another. That, my friends, is repentance in the widest sense of the word. Now, if the story ended here, we would say hallelujah, because what a beautiful and powerful message just to hear this, and the words that Ruth spoke, and, and how God was clearly working in her heart to, to say these words with such beautiful commitment. But the story doesn't end here. We're told that Naomi decided not to keep pressuring Ruth to leave. They both went to Bethlehem. And when the people saw Naomi, they were very excited. Many of them were family and friends, and, and, and they remembered her. They knew her. She obviously made a huge impact in that community, and people were so excited to see her, and what came out of Naomi's mouth may seem surprising. She turned to them and said, Don't call me Naomi. You call me Mara which is the Old Testament Hebrew word for call me bitter. My son, sons are dead. My husband is dead. And technically I'm all alone. Well, both Naomi and Ruth, they lived in a very poor way. Yes, Naomi went back to, you know, her land. Her husband had owned some land there. But she couldn't keep up the land, so she was considering selling it. But meanwhile, until someone bought it, they had to eat. Ruth goes out into the field because this was the springtime harvest, which was usually at the end of March, early April. And according to the law of Moses, that if the harvesters were harvesting up the barley, any that fell and any that they didn't bundle up was left for the widows and the poor. 
And Ruth was out to there to pick this up. When all of a sudden that day, the owner of the field came. And he inquired of his servants who that young lady was. Because she was not the normal group of, of widows and poor people. And found out that she was related to Naomi. This was Ruth. The man who took notice of her actually was went by the name of Boaz. And he was the son of Salmon and Rahab, also known as Rahab the prostitute. Boaz was a very wealthy man. He owned fields. But another thing that stood out about Boaz is he was a kinsman redeemer. And a kinsman redeemer was a special position set up under the Mosaic law. And it, and it did two basic things. One is a kinsman redeemer would actually help the family if they were selling some land. He would actually consider buying it in order to keep the land within the family so that the family name would not be wiped out. And the other thing that the kinsman redeemer did was if there was a widow selling the land because her husband, the family member, had died, the kinsman redeemer then was called upon to marry that widow, have a child with her. That child then would fall under the name of the deceased relative and and that child then would get the land and continue the family line under the dead husband's name. Any other children would be considered his own. Now with Boaz, he was a kinsman redeemer, but there was actually one who had a closer claim. And when Boaz approached him, the man was very interested in buying Naomi's land. However, he was not interested in marrying Ruth. Boaz was. Because Naomi has been doing matchmaking. And the two were hitting it off. In a nutshell, the first kinsman redeemer conceded his claim and gave it to Boaz, and Boaz, before the elders, bought the land and married Ruth. They had a child named Obed, who was a descendant of Jesse, who is the father of David. And we know Jesus comes from the line of David. Ruth is part of the line of Jesus, just like Rahab. Under Rahab, we said that this reminds us that our Savior is the Savior of all sinners. But under Ruth, we're reminded of the fact that all sinners means all people. And Jesus is the Savior of all nations. He didn't come just for the Jews, even though he was born a Jew. He came for all people to pay for the sins of the world and to do so once and for all. And especially even for the sins of a young woman from Moab, the very Savior who paid for our sins. So when you find your heart looking and celebrating Christmas by looking at the manger, 
and seeing a Christ child who's not just some cute little baby, but actually the very Savior of the world. Keep in mind that that little baby is God keeping his promise because that is the Son of God who took on human flesh to take our place and pay for our sins, which he did on the cross. But more than that, that is our Son of God who fulfills the words that St. Paul wrote to the Romans. God works out all things for good, and especially those whom he loves. Naomi, who called herself bitter, could only see what was around her and made judgments based on that. What she could not see was God's bigger plan. What she could not see is God did have a plan. And Naomi's effect on Ruth played a huge part and a huge role in the line of our Savior and their Savior too. Oh, the temptation to think that does God really love me? Or the temptation to think that when things, when I face trials and tribulation, to automatically assume that God must be punishing me or God's out to get me or God has forgotten me. It's just not true. We may not always understand the plans that God has for our lives, but we know about this plan for certain, is that we have a God who has a plan. We have a God who is watching over us. We have a God who gave his life for us, and we have a God who has saved us. And this is why we can say Merry Christmas, because the honest truth is, Jesus is the reason for the season a reason that points to the fact that he and only he is the Savior of all nations. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemev l-u-t-h-e-r-a-n dot o-r-g. May God bless you today and every day.